Annabelle. Good morning. Today's date is May 7th, 2023. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, page 44, and the preceding to and including page 44, if a mere code of morals. Felicia will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Amy B. Felicia, go ahead, please. Chapter four, we agnostics. In the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism. We hope we have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. If when you are honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably an alcoholic. If that is the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. To one who feels he is atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible, but to continue as he means disaster, especially if he's, if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to be an alcoholic death or to live with a spiritual basis are not always easier alternatives to face, but it isn't so difficult. About half of our original fellowship were of exactly that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find the spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it is going to be the way you, perhaps this is going to be the way with you. But cheer up, something like half of this thought we were atheists and agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not to be disconcerted. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered a long ago, but we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral, we could wish to be philosophical, comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources and mar marshaled by the will were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Thank you. Thank you so much for reading, Felicia. And now I am honored to introduce Amy B. Amy, we really look forward to hearing what you'd have to share on these pages. Go ahead. Thank you so much, Tasha. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, everybody here doing service this morning. It takes a village. Um, and I am so grateful for everyone's service including the service of being here, because this is a WE program and I need all of you. We need each other. My name is Amy B. I am a compulsive overeater living very gratefully in a state recovered from the food today. Um, I'm gonna make sure to set a timer, here we go. Um, to qualify quickly before we get into these pages, which are important, um, I came into the rooms five years and one week ago on May 1st, 2018. May 1st, by the way, is a holiday called May Day and a May Day is a cry for help. And I love that little piece of synchronicity 
Um, and that was my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting. And I will tell you that I did not hear my story in that meeting. I did not feel connected and I was discouraged. And somebody told me to try multiple meetings because we are a vast and varied fellowship. And the very next day, on May 2nd, 2018, I went to a meeting and I did hear my story and I did feel connected and I did surrender. And that five years and six days ago is my abstinence anniversary um, in this program. And I'm very, very, very grateful for every single day of it because it is a miracle. Um, I just a little other piece of the qualification. I am a hundred pounder in this program. I've lost it's uh, I think it's around 130 pounds now, but I had gained and lost over hundred pounds multiple times before I got here to these rooms. Many times I couldn't, I'm an, I'm an addict in the food as the type described in this book. I couldn't stop once I've started and I couldn't stay stopped. And leading into this chapter and these pages, um, these paragraphs that we read today, um, when I, when my life had fallen apart, it wasn't just my weight. It wasn't just that I was over 300 pounds again. It was that I could not, I just couldn't, I just couldn't re I just couldn't feel anything without overfeeling or shutting down or, or anything. Spiritual malady in action. And I was in a therapist's office talking about how my life had fallen apart. I wasn't talking about my weight. And at the very end of the conversation, at the very end of the session, I said, like, as a beside, uh, as an aside to her, by the way, I've, I've gained and lost over 100 pounds multiple times, and I can't believe I have to do it again. She looked at me and she said, oh, you need OA. And I paused for a moment, but I was so... My exact words to her was, look, I am desperate and I will try anything, but I'll tell you right now, I'm going to have a problem with the God thing. We Agnostics, chapter four. I'll give you a little spoiler alert. I did not, in fact, end up having a problem with the God thing. I told you I came in on May 1st. I got abstinence on May 2nd, May 4th, which, by the way, is another little lovely. May the 4th be with you. I had an openness, a willingness that came to me that never had before. And I was thinking about, I didn't like the word God. Like I said, I was going to have a problem with the God thing. I didn't like the word God. And I was working with the force of the universe. That's what I started with. Things like um, opportunity with a capital O and healing with a capital H and time with a capital T and love with a capital L, just like divine forces. And then as I was having this thought and writing it down, I went to date, date the page and it was May 4th. And once again, that just felt like a piece of synchronicity, something greater than myself, forces working in my life, and it was my first um, experience with that. I want to get into the pages, though. I really don't want to. Um, I really want to get into the pages in the preceding chapters. We've learned something about addiction. I'm going to say addiction because that's how I identify with it. Thank you for that, Grace. Um, 
We've learned something about addiction. We've made clear the distinction between the addict and the non-addict, which is what? If when I really want to stop, all those times I was over 300 pounds or in the other direction, restricting so hard over exercising that my body was literally in pain and breaking down. I couldn't stop that either. If when I wanted to stop, I just wanted peace. I just wanted to feel like my life wasn't so unmanageable and I couldn't, I couldn't. I wanted to stop and I couldn't. I had little control over the amount, the amount I took in either direction. If I was binging, I mean, I once gained 50 pounds in like two months. Like, and if I'm over-exercising and restricting, I, gained, I lost a hundred pounds in like seven months once. Like none of it is healthy. It's all out of control. I have no control over the amount I take. Um, so we may be suffering, if that's the case, I may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. And for somebody who has a problem with the God thing and doesn't like the word God and feels really upset about it, to be told that only a spiritual experience will conquer this is um, challenging, terrifying. For me, it was. But to continue would mean disaster because I am an addict. I, I, I don't, my step one experience, that understanding that I was powerless over all of this and my life was unmanageable. That's what I was saying on my therapist's couch, that my life was unmanageable, not my weight, not my clothing sizes, but everything. I just couldn't react in the world without needing to escape or numb out or isolate or fix things or change them, force my will in one direction or another. To be doomed to an addict's death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. What does an addict's death mean? Well, I mean, you know, there are certain, there are certainly things that will kill me in morbid obesity or in over-exercising physically. I understand a different meaning of an addict's death though. Not though, also in addition. The walking through life in so much pain, just wanting like, feeling lost and like, what I've come to identify as like homesick like in the greater sense and feeling like I'm on the other side of a glass and I just can't get past it. And I don't know why. And there's something about not feeling like I get to escape by dying. Like I'm just supposed to feel this bad. I don't know why. That's the spiritual malady, I guess, right? I feel lost and homesick. Um, and, you know, being an atheist or an agnostic, I mean, I did. I came in and I said, I, I, you know, I had a problem with the God thing. An atheist believes that technically the definitions, and I don't want to define anybody's, I, you know, experience for them. 
technically an atheist is somebody who believes there is no God and an agnostic is someone who isn't sure about it. My, my, my growing understanding of what it means to be an agnostic, an agnostic in the 12 steps, the sense of the 12 steps, is I believe that there are powers greater than myself. I don't think I'm the end all be all of the universe. I know how powerless I am. But I don't trust those powers to take care of me. Or maybe not all the way. I believe there's something greater in myself. I believe in the greater forces of love and opportunity and forgiveness and balance and tolerance and acceptance, all of those things. And I believe in magic and I believe in this program. I have such a beautiful sense of a power greater than myself. Uh, I am so far, far from atheism. And, and still, sometimes there are just little pieces that I, I have the agnosticism in those last inches. I just don't want to give up those things that are just so important to me that I'm just not willing to surrender. Okay, God, you can have my food. You can have my food. You've had my food for five years. I'm all good. I know it. I cannot pick up no matter what. I am powerless. Done. Surrendered. The nuances of life, those things. Those, that's the agnosticism in the last inches. And this paragraph where it flips over from 44 to 45, talking about if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life was enough. I, I have so much in my heart, in my, in my mind, in my soul that leans towards things that I feel are, that I, are, wonderful philosophies of life, inclusivity, love, humor, friendship, all of those things. I believe in those things. And yet in the moments where I am trapped or fearful, I, I forget about them. I, I have agnosticism in those moments. It talks at the beginning of the chapter, if you are, if you are, if you are, if you've we've made the distinction between the addict and the non-addict, and if you are an addict, it's a spiritual malady. So if I'm an addict, I'm going to buy into all this stuff that's coming in. And I am, I can't stop once I've started and I cannot stay stopped. So I need a spiritual basis of life. And I could have my moral philosophies and I could will it with all my might. I've got, I've got, I've got some will power. I've lost over a hundred pounds multiple times. I give me a task list. Give me a spreadsheet. Give me a project. I have will like you would not believe. but it doesn't get me there. It's not the type of power I need. It's not the needed power. And I know that we didn't read this next sentence, so please apologies, but it's gonna tell us next that lack of power is our dilemma. May I respectfully 
propose or suggest that I don't have any lack of power. I have the lack of needed power. It says in this paragraph right before the needed power wasn't there. Top of 45. I could wish to be moral. I could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, I could will those things with all of my very considerable might. But the needed power isn't there. I was thinking about this and I took some notes. If I'm an addict, okay, I'm an addict. I don't, I don't know. I'm just suggesting something. I don't know. And, and this is one of the things I love about this fellowship and this book and the way that we recover together is that we can toss ideas out and look and try them on and see. We are a vast and varied fellowship and this program is personal. How we experience our disease, our abstinence, our concept of a higher power, all our defects, all of those things are personal. So I'm just gonna toss out something that's kind of personal to me and maybe it'll resonate or maybe it'll make you feel more comforted in your own personal feeling. And either way, a win is a win. Maybe because the potential life of a recovered addict is so big and miraculous, it is set up to require being powered by something big and miraculous. It's just bigger for addicts. The cravings, the need, the pain. I crave more than I need. And the big flip side to that is that the love and the generosity and the acceptance is bigger for addicts too. And addicts intensity is incredibly powerful. I require the highest octane to run. The disease is high octane. My defects are high octane and so is God. Big potential plus big, plus big power is gonna either equal big disaster or a big miracle. I, I crave more than I need. I don't know why I have a spiritual malady. If I, something's always powering me. If I allow those defects, if I allow, if I allow that agnosticism in the last inches to keep the needed power out, I'm going to get power from my self-will run riot. I have an intensity of more than I need. I need more love. I need more acceptance. I need more forgiveness. I need more pain. I need more punishment. I think I need more than I need. I crave more than I need. I said I need more. I meant I crave more. Please forgive me. I don't need more. That's the point. I crave more. I crave more love. I crave more acceptance than I need. I crave more forgiveness. I crave more pain and punishment than I need. I fear more than I need. I have plenty of power. It's just junk power. It's cheap gas. It's really cheap gas. And it makes my whole engine seize. So, okay. So I need something that's high octane 
That's the good stuff. That's going to give me big miracles, not big disaster. And for someone who has a problem with the God thing, flipping back to 44 now, that's, that's a rough, that's a tall order. There are miracles everywhere. This fellowship, the willingness of people to reach out and help each other, the group of people that come together to support this meeting behind the scenes and the group of people that come together to experience this meeting, we're all helping and we're all receiving help. We're dabbling in like the higher power here, the good stuff. Um, I'm coming to the end of my time and I just want to check to see if I have any other notes. I guess just that um, it talks about the unmanageability. That's why I that's why I ended up in these rooms five years ago is because I couldn't manage my life. That unmanageability it get that it gets in the way of me finding the needed power. And this book. And again, I'm so sorry for the spoiler alert to the next paragraph, but it's about to tell us that this book is going to tell us how to find that power, how to seek it, how to seek it for ourselves in a way that is personal. Um, so for somebody who came in as a problem with the God thing and started with these very, very basic concepts of the force of the universe and, you know, love with a capital L, which turned into divine love, which turned into divine guidance, which turned into guidance on direction, G-O-D. I need guidance on direction. I need God. That got me into the word, by the way. I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. And then the idea of miracles and my connection to things bigger than myself, nature, the earth, pointed me in a direction, and again, personal, just tossing it out, of magic. I think that the 12 steps are a spell. I think this fellowship is a coven. I think we come together with shared intention, and we say the words, and we bring our own heart, and we call upon something greater than ourselves, and miracles happen whether you call it saying a prayer or casting a spell or setting an intention or connecting with the universe or praying to God. There is, there is a solution to this spiritual malady and it might not have been the one that I uh, wanted when I got here. And I might not have thought I was able to do it. But there are miracles in these rooms. There are miracles in this fellowship. There's miracles. There are miracles in this book. That's it. That's it. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to service. Thank you so much for letting me share.